This week's episode is brought to you by The Crazy Taco. Take it from me, The Crazy Taco. You won't find a crazier taco than the ones you'll find at The Crazy Taco. Remember, our drive throughs open all night. Sweet up a chili bean, I'm crazy. <laughs> On second thought, maybe don't go to The Crazy Taco. Um, let's just go ahead and start the show. Nick, 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 from Nickelodeon Studios in Burbank, California, this is the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Hector Navarro, and my guest today is one of the most unique voices in animation who is known for creating a little cartoon show thing called Invader Zim. The series has an incredibly passionate fan base, and it has become the definition of a cartoon cult classic. Of course, I'm talking about Jonan Vasquez. Yes, of course, I plan to talk with Jonan about the Invader Zim TV series and the comics, too, but I also plan to talk with him about something that I did not know, and that is Jonan's love for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the hilarious new Turtles animated short film that he wrote and produced and had its world premiere at Comic-Con this summer. So come on, join me as I walk around in the brain of Jonan Vasquez. was it about the Turtles comics? Because you talked about it this a little bit before, you know, you sort of, you were coming up and you were looking at comic books and superhero stuff, and then you get turtles in your hands, and they're like... They're, <laughs> you get turtles in you your get hands. get turtles in your hands, and they're different, and they're grimy. Yeah. What was it about those comics? I think, like a lot of kids, there were just a bunch of things that naturally just came my way, and you just kind of, by default, had to like them. Cartoons... <laughs> comic books, any sort of escapist fantasy stuff. Mm -hmm. But most of the comic book stuff I got secondhand through my brother who was really into, you know, DC mm -hmm. and Marvel and just, you know, you know, I read that stuff just because, look, there's a guy who can shoot lightning from his hands or there's a guy who can run really fast and like, it's like, yeah, I'm a kid. I like this stuff. <laughs> it wasn't until he started collecting um, the Turtles comics. Like he got the original run, the black and white, you know, Eastman and Laird stuff. And some, it just... It just did something to my little kid brain where I'm just like, I think this means more to me. Yeah. It showed me that there were people who were, you know, it had the look. They were turtles. They were, it was still silly. Yeah. But it, it didn't feel so, I mean, as a kid, it seems weird to think that, but it didn't seem so simple. There was there was something else to it. Yeah. Um, you know, looking back at it now, it, it does seem incredibly simple. Yeah. <laughs> but it was exciting. It was exciting to see these like silly little turtles. It'd be like seeing, you know, Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck mm -hmm. covered in scars and just throwing each other off rooftops and just hitting each other with, you know, katanas and there was, it was weird. It was really weird for me to... I couldn't quite figure it out. Like, I grew up with, you know, the usual, you know, being taken to, like, Disney movies and going to see blah, blah, you know. And, mm -hmm. I, and I liked it. I liked that stuff. I just... Mm -hmm. I loved just anything that wasn't real. Mm -hmm. But then I would see, you know, like a Ralph Bakshi animation or weird 70s, sort of early 80s animation like Flight of Dragons. Um, things that were not Disney, you know, Plague Dogs yeah. and stuff. Yeah. My, uh, my sister took me to go see Alien when I was really, really tiny. And there it is. That explains yeah. a lot yeah. of Joan and Vasquez. It's awesome. <laughs> like, I don't know that... Like, wow. Yeah. It seems incredibly irresponsible. A aliens or Alien? The first alien. Wow. That's yeah. terrifying. Well, I was obsessed with it, though. Yeah. After that, I got 
weirdly, almost fetishistically obsessed with parasites. <laughs> and we would go to my dad's friend's house, and he had a son who was older than me. He was mm -hmm. like a teenager at that point, and he had uh, a, an alien making of book. Oh. Um, and I would always harass him. You know, I was probably around like you know nine or ten, and be like, "Let me see the book. Let me see the book." Yeah. You know, and uh, I would just always open it up to the page where the chest burster is coming out of Kane's chest, and I would just stare at it. <laughs> I would just be. It would make me uncomfortable, but I loved being uncomfortable, staring at this thing because the guy looked like he was just. He looked like he was in hell. Like he wasn't happy. This yeah. was clearly someone that was suffering. But I knew at the same time this is fake. Right. And that. There are people whose job it is to make people uncomfortable, <laughs> and the feeling I'm feeling right now is their success. Yeah, you know, and I oh. loved that. I, I just, I absolutely loved the idea that there were people who devoted their lives to horrific things. Mm -hmm. And this was pre-internet. You found this book. That's a big deal. Oh, oh yeah, it was hard to. That's what it was. You yeah. would when you didn't have. It's not like I could just be like, I feel like looking at someone's <laughs> bloody corpse, you know. And then I just googled bloody corpses. <laughs> you had to find stuff. You had to like really hunt stuff down. And yeah. when you weren't in the presence of it, you were thinking of it. You're like, I can't wait to see that. <laughs> Let's go back a little bit. When did, was there a specific moment that clicked in your head as a young man where you were like, I can tell stories using art? Even if I didn't think I was going to grow up to do this as a, you know, as, it's just, I just loved telling stories. Mm -hmm. I think that I just, um, most of my life, I think like a lot of kids, I think growing up, like in school, I was like, uh, I can't wait until, it wasn't that I was opposed to learning, it was how I was learning. Mm -hmm. It was how I, how engaged I was with, with the lesson, uh, you know, uh, for the moment or just how it was being presented. I always felt like there was a better way. There was a better way to do this. It yeah. was, you know, like I knew what I responded to and that was, you know, storytelling, gaming, you know, just movies and stuff. Yeah. It wasn't um, interesting to me to just be told information and be expected to memorize it and then feed it back. It meant nothing to me. Yeah. You know? So I think I was sort of disgruntled a lot of a lot of the time, and through being dissatisfied, through being unhappy with how things were, then you were like, "Here's how it should be," yeah. or "Here's what it would be like if it were worse." As I got older, yeah. like, <laughs> like a lot of the storytelling for me, like growing up, was very escapist, and then as I got older, as you get older, when you're a little kid, when you're younger, you think. How cool is it going to be when this happens to me? Because it's coming. You're going to do it. You yeah. have all the time in the world. You're like, I am going to have this adventure. I'm going to go to space. And then as you get older, you're like, I'm probably never going to go to space. So you start writing stories about people that go to space and they hate it. Yeah. You know? And you're like, oh, I have to make this entertaining, though. I want this person to be in hell for getting to live the wish that I never got. But, you know, I'm going to make them, I'm going to make them regret it. Uh, but it's fun. You're a young comics creator. You're doing it. And then you described how there was a moment where you were able to quit your day job. Yeah. What was that moment like? Um, it was incredible. I was cruising around in my brand new Dodge Neon. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that I bought with comic book money. That's crazy. Yeah. I was working, I was um, at this place that had just started selling DVDs, and uh, we were like this sort of 
state-of-the-art home entertainment <laughs> store at the time. I remember just, yeah, how nice it felt to quit. I just hated helping people. <laughs> I hated uh, being asked you know, excuse me, can you and I just be like, oh, I was I was literally that guy that like, you know, like the sort of they make fun of, except it wasn't a, a music store. It was just, it was a DVD store. Yeah. And I just be like, oh, <laughs> oh, leave me alone. And I threw just, uh, yeah, it replaced, it replaced day job, you mm-hmm. know, uh, money, basically. I wasn't like living large, but I was able to sort of sustain myself. You make stuff up and you go, I hope people literally buy it. Yeah. <laughs> and it uh, worked out and I was so happy. It was probably, I have a greater memory of seeing my comics on a shelf amongst other comics that I myself liked. Yeah. Um, I have probably greater memories of that than anything else in, that I've done. It's always cool to see something that I've done come out now. But Sure. You know, I think I... That must have been wild, yeah, seeing it. It was, and it was... Because it was it was so intimate. I think it was... It's weirder seeing something on TV or seeing something... Mm-hmm. It's, it's just more surreal. I can't quite get mm-hmm. a grasp on, like, how many people are seeing this thing. Yeah. But with comics, back then, it was, it was nice just because people had to go and look for you. Yeah. You know, it's like you said, like, the, the internet wasn't... Yeah so much of a thing it was by the time that i was doing comics but it wasn't the internet that it is now correct and there was something about knowing that people had to search for you what did you want invader zim to be what were you thinking this is what i want this cartoon to be going into it in the beginning i don't know that there was any like super conscious decision to make it a particular thing other than it was going to be more of the kind of thing that I do. (laughs) Which is very funny. Yeah, I knew that it was going to, you know, there were going to be aliens and robots and just every, just just throw everything in that I, you know, was obsessed with. Yeah. And it just turned into Zim. It popped up real fast. The idea, the thinking was, I'm not going to, I don't want to adapt anything that I've already done. Not that that would have made any sense. Like, I think there was kind of like a, a tension uh, on Squee, because mm-hmm. it looked, and it, you know, it could be a kid's thing, but it definitely wasn't. So I just, <laughs> I figured I would do something that I would not care about as much. I'll just make something up and see how that goes. New thing, yeah. And that never works out because, you know, the more time I spend, you know, thinking about something and developing something, you, know, you start to love it. You start to, then you start to care and suddenly you've got a thing that, regardless of how it goes, you're, you're, you're attached to it. Yeah. But, yeah, I just knew that it was going to be kind of relentless. <laughs> and I think that that kind of describes the show, good or bad, it's relentless. Absolutely. You've also described the show as being full of sarcasm, oh, yeah. cruelty, and violence, which yes. I think is great. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of when there was any genuine affection mm-hmm. in the show. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a good thing. Like, if I went back and if I were, I think, it, you know, I'd have trouble doing something that was that concentrated evil yeah. uh, non-stop you have to like even in the comic yeah in the comic we've eased up on just how relentlessly mean it is but in aid of the cruelty like yes. there have to there has to be niceness there have to be family moments like professor membrane is not as neglectful like in the show he just <laughs> was horrible yeah like 
recorded like it was like recorded messages saying you know I love you son yeah uh, and not there's never any any actual warmth between characters yeah but in the comic we have these hints of you know the family spends time together that's you great know, Dib, and, Dib and Gaz are not the same as Zim and Dib they are brother and sister they actually are you know brother and sister they have to act like it and yes. that sometimes means doing something nice but always as a precursor to something horrible. Son, you're looking in good spirits today. You must have finally seen the light about studying real science. No, Dad. These alien shoes came into my room and gave me some kind of gift. I know how that sounds, but it's true. Those aliens were demented hallucinations, but your DNA does seem to have evolved beyond that of normal human beings. Hmm. I guess I'm sorry about being so mean to you all those times then. This is... This is just incredible! I should... I should see if this whatever it is really will help me deal with Sim. I'm gonna head over to his base. Hey, I'm speaking out loud to myself in an unnatural manner. Oh well. Did you want to be a voice actor when you were a kid? No. <laughs> How did that happen? You did voices on Invader Zim. In case people aren't aware, you did Zim's computer. You did Old Kid. <laughs> yeah. Mini Moose. Uh, where did that kind of come about? Where did that idea come in? Just kind of necessity at the time, and also it's just fun. I just, you know, I just didn't growing up. Never thought I'm gonna be a voice actor. Right. But you know, when we're recording stuff, yeah, I'm gonna step up to the <laughs> mic literally and just, you know, especially stuff like Mini Moose, where it doesn't <laughs> sound like me. It doesn't. It's just a, you know, it's, yeah. And it's like, well, there you go. You know, pay me. <laughs> and I'm not gonna hire someone to come in and make a squeaking sound. Yeah. <laughs> but the computer is you know it's usually all stuff that's really uh distorted mm -hmm. except for old kid mm -hmm. but see <laughs> see i look back at old kid and i think i hate that voice <laughs> i i would have gotten someone else to just be old kid anytime that there's uh, a chance of sort of appearing and not necessarily being me sounding like me right it was you know kind of just like yeah i'll do that if it's a robot voice that you're gonna then pitch like i was pitched way down you for the for the uh the computer voice mm-hmm that stuff was fun. I, uh, but I haven't really done any voice. I, I did. I did some on a pilot that I was working on for the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, I listen to it and I'm like, ah, let's get. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then I, I'll play that for the actual person. Sure. I'm like, just kind of do an impersonation of me if I were a good voice actor. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Objects not compatible with temporal field. Oh, not compatible! Is this thing just completely useless? Not compatible! Object accepted. Temporal displacement in process. Another thing you've said, Jonan, is that in your head, that the story of Invader Zim and these characters, it never ended. So when people have been asking, what happened to these characters? What happens next? And to you in your head, it's it's continually going. And then you have to tell everybody, oh, I forget that you guys are not in my head. Was that one of the reasons that you were excited about coming back to do the comic book series? Yeah. Yeah, well, because I knew that we had gotten better. All of us had, you know, you can't, you can't, well, I was going to say you can't get worse, but <laughs> I can think of some things that are just getting worse and worse. I think that we were just, had had more experience. Aaron had been, you know, he hasn't stopped drawing since the show. He's got his comics and he's, you know, it, it was this perfect fusion of our abilities this is Aaron Alexovich, right? Aaron Alexovich, yeah. Killing it. Killing it. Yeah. So good. Yeah. He was an incredible find on the show, and he was a great... I, I love that he was willing to work on the, the comic, and it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It's monthly. There's just so much love put into it, and that's... 
again, it's that it's like what we were talking about before. It was important. Like I didn't have to work on it. They didn't have to tell me that they were going to do it. Yeah, it was like it was like great. They were incredibly respectful of our wishes. Like and Oni came to us, Oni Press, mm-hmm. and they came to me and asked if you know how would you feel if we did if we went to Nickelodeon and proposed this 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 comic series and I was like that sounds cool you know did you think it was going to happen or were you just kind of like we'll see I didn't know yeah. I was so used to Zim kind of getting the shaft in a lot of ways you know <laughs> kind of like being the ugly stepchild it's always been the underdog it's always been you know the, like you said the lesser at the kids table kind of yeah. A thing it's yeah but you know uh, time kind of proved that it just it was if it was if it was going to be at the kids table it mm-hmm. was like this hideous immortal immortal baby immortal kid that would never leave the table you know while new kids came there was yeah. just still this kid there that was just like I'm, I'm still eating all that I'm time. still <laughs> eating and it didn't go away and the fact that the comic is even doing as well as it is it's just mm-hmm. it never ceases to amaze me I love it you know mm-hmm. I it's it's the greatest compliment to a thing that we did you know for us like forever ago mm-hmm but people, there are people who don't know when it when it went off the air. They think it's still like a new thing. Yeah, that seems to be how my stuff exists. Comics, like there are people who still buy the comics that I did before Zim, mm-hmm. and they they don't know how old it is. You know, they think I'm still like some, you know, nineteen year old kid drawing comics. The comic popped up and it was an opportunity to kind of stri- i don't know show show people where the show and where our humor is mm-hmm. now versus because mm-hmm. i don't think that the comic sounds exactly like the cartoon the no, cartoon yeah. is way less focused yeah it is way less <laughs> focused and the comic is still you know just mayhem but it's not just us putting stuff in because we think it's going to be funny regardless of whether or not it makes sense for the story mm-hmm it's just better it's better there's less of a filter too between when we have an idea and it ending up on the page totally because there's such a compressed timeline you have a month you have like a joke you have you come up with you know you're writing or laughing or you know we usually like eric and i eric trueheart one of the writers Mm -hmm. who works on the comic and worked on the cartoon too We'll meet up, we'll pitch some ideas, and then we go off. He'll usually write the scripts. I write a script every now and then, and you have an idea that you think is funny, and then in a month, it's on paper, Yeah, (laughs) and people are responding to it. They're liking it or they're not liking it. You get people going, I love that bit when Zim did this or whatever, and you're like, yeah, it worked out. Yeah. (laughs) Versus having a joke, coming up with an idea, and then... A year later, yeah, <laughs> you know, people are like, "I like that part." When and you're like, "I don't want to hear about that part anymore" because I've lived with that. It's like I'm so sick of it. Yeah, animation just yeah, it's not for the impatient. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm really impatient. Where did the idea for Gur come from? I, I, there wasn't. Again, I th- um, this is kind of like a very common answer for me. I don't yeah. think that there was like a, and then there's got to be this character. Right. I just knew that he was going to have a robot sidekick that was dumb. <laughs> um, somehow dumber than the main character. Yeah. A lot of it came from Ricky, who ended up being the voice actor, mm-hmm. Ricky uh, Simons. A lot of that is just the personality mixed with just things that I think are funny, which are, (laughs) in a lot of ways, Gurr was sort of this extension of Happy Noodle Boy, which was a character that was just nonsense. It made no sense. It was a character that was designed to make no sense, and Gurr just really doesn't make sense. 
unless you you know remember that he's broken and that that excused him for everything yeah he's broken every invader gets this sort of robot henchman yeah and everything that zim has is broken his his computer is broken his ship his robot i it's not like every invader out there has this experience it's mm-hmm. not like everyone has a gur their robots are probably boring they're just you know they function zim's has to stand out his is broken so mm-hmm. he can't really be doing a good job he can never do a good job yeah gur can't ever do a good job and Ricky, then Ricky came in and wasn't a voice actor. Ricky was not a voice actor, and I like that. We had people come in and audition for Gurr, and everyone was just kind of doing this standard crazy voice. Oh, hey, I'm a real... Uh, it's like, right. it was just like, it was just grating to my ears. I didn't like that there was this, oh, you want this? I got what you need. Kind of like, like uh, there's just this stock voice that people would do for Crazy Robot. Ricky came in and didn't know, he, he didn't have any like storehouse of, here's my voices. He just did Ricky, and Ricky's just kind of a weirdo on his own. He sounded, <laughs> it sounds weird to say now, but I liked Ricky because he was bad. <laughs> he was bad at it, you know? And that worked it was perfect for Gurr. it sounded off and then once you pitch it up and make it even weirder then it was just yeah it just it was adorable yeah but yeah it was like it's a broken character let's get let's get a broken person <laughs> Gurr, remember with your brains you must behave like a human dog monster do you understand i really don't Gurr, human dogs don't speak now go answer the door I like working with people Mm -hmm. in the right situation (laughs) and certain people Mm -hmm. and only on Tuesdays uh, (laughs) very specific (laughs) no but I do like when it works out when you have a team that um, you know I left Zim with kind of a a very small list of people that I would always go back to Mm -hmm. I would always go back to you know I I met Brian there Konetsko Uh, you know, Chris Graham, Trueheart, Aaron Alexevich, just, you know, there's, there's, there are people who I would, anytime something comes up and I need a team of people, I go to them first. And they're so talented and time has passed. They're usually busy and I, I, I get angry because, <laughs> you know, I want to work with them. Yeah. But they are, they're, you know, they've been recognized for their powers. So it's great. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of them kind of got their start on Zim. Like when I first started Zim, I knew I didn't know anybody. Yeah. I wasn't from animation. I right. didn't come from this place where I'm like, I know how this is going to work out, and I know who I want to bring in. I want this guy and this guy. I was kind of assigned a lot of people, and some of them worked out, some of them didn't. But it was never an easy process. It was always me asking, like, is this how it's supposed to be? Is, yeah. this, is this working? I don't think this is working. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's stressful. It uh, yeah, it was really stressful. I was, uh, when the pilot, when I first started working on the pilot, I was like 22. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I didn't go I didn't go in, like, worried, which was probably one of the best things for me. Because I didn't think about it. I went in going, yeah, I'm going to make a cartoon now. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, people ask me a lot of the time. You know, it's weird. They ask me. They want to get into animation. They're like, how do I get into that? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just do it. You just, you just go. Uh, I just went in and I knew what I wanted to make. I just, I wasn't, I knew I wasn't going to be one of these people who, um, 
I wasn't as aware of back then. I thought this is just how you make cartoons, but now yeah. I know there are people who will just pitch a show and they're like, yeah, there's a dog and he's like got half, he's, half of his body is a robot, you know, yeah. make it. And then they leave and they just, they're not, they don't, they're just, they're just idea factories. And I knew from the beginning, I'm going to just, I'm going to do everything. I'm yeah. going to do everything, even though that's not smart. I learned that's not smart. <laughs> that's why working with people that you trust, again, yeah. is super important. This guy's working with people that are better than you. Make this better than what I can make it. Yeah. You know, is is super important. That's great advice. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Always <laughs> yeah. work with people. No you're never gonna be the most talented person in the room. Get more talented people. <laughs> and then people see the thing and then they blame they, they think you did it. Yeah. And you're like, Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I I yes I did. I, I did an amazing thing. I'll take that credit. That's yeah. great. So there's been rumors, Joan, and there's been rumors <laughs> that there's a chance that you might return to the Invaders in World via animation. What can you tell us? That's that rumor has been going around since I wouldn't say since the show got canceled, but I would. It's been it's been a part of my life for about I don't know, like a decade. Now. Yeah, <laughs> about a decade. And every time, anytime there's interest in Zim, like now with the comics, mm -hmm. or anytime that there's like a, a marathon on Nicktoons or whatever, uh, it's just like Twitter. There's, there's people just keep asking about like oh it's definitely coming back right here it's coming back or if we watch if we you know if we buy if we buy this many yeah. if we buy this number of comics that that will that will bring the show back if they care enough mm -hmm. it would come back but clearly they haven't cared enough okay got it yeah so so care so more guys they are they're they're failing you fa okay yeah. got it You've i just want people to know that they're failing yeah if there's one takeaway from this interview is that fans, especially Invaders and fans, you guys really pick up the pace. Come on, let's pick it up. Let's do a better job you're, of you're loving really, the thing you're you let, love. You're letting, you're letting us down. All of those things lend uh, uh, lend little pieces to make Invader Zim what it is, and it's become the sort of cult classic, which is which is kind of crazy. What has what has been your reaction to how people continue to discover it? Like I said, it's um, it's it's very flattering, but it's also just surreal, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, I just like you think that some, something would like run its course after a certain <laughs> point, but I think that's the internet. You know, it doesn't mm -hmm. really let things die. It just people. It just sort of things just sort of stick around like mines and someone steps on it eventually and then they spread it they <laughs> they uh well not so much like mines more like some kind of like a plague you know and they and they and they, and they carry it to their friends and mm -hmm. yeah i don't i don't really know i don't really have any clear idea of what the audience is at this point because mm -hmm. when i go to conventions and people show up it's all kinds of people wow you know i love when it's like some grandma comes up and it's not just for her kid, for her kids and her kids' kids. It's for this person, this uh, that watches the show with her kids, with her grandchildren. Yeah, and I'm just like, this is crazy. <laughs> you know, most of the stuff, well, comics usually, but you know, animation is still pretty isolated. I don't interact with people outside of, you know, the job mm -hmm. as much as I should, but. Then you get this sense of, oh my God, this is part of people's lives. Yeah. Um, people watch the the Christmas episode on Christmas. <laughs> I don't even watch. I, you know, it's like it's, it's it's just 
it's crazy. Wow. And it's it's really nice to to imagine like I want to see it happening. Yeah. I, like I hear them say it, and I still don't believe it. I it's because I can't, you, I can't imagine that scene. It's like it's Christmas time. Everyone gather around and watch, you know, uh, Zim in a giant robot mech, uh, <laughs> you know, be blasted uh, and have like what we called Christmas juice coming out of him. <laughs> it's blood, but uh, I I think that's that's hilarious. <laughs> went to do character designs on a show called Randy Cunningham Ninth Grade Ninja. What was that experience like doing character designs for the show? I had been in the middle of development on another series, mm-hmm. uh, pilot, and it was just, you know, it takes forever getting stuff made. And it had been a while since I'd really worked in animation. So when the guys over at Titmouse Animation, they were working with Disney to retool a show that had already been in development. I guess they had like character designs already. Mm-hmm. It needed redesigning and they asked me if I wanted to do some stuff and I'm like, I knew that it was actually getting made. Yeah. So I was like, oh look, I'm gonna I'm I wanna I wanna do something. I wanna work on something while I'm doing this other thing that who knows where it's ever gonna go. Right. And so I just got to draw some characters, which was great. You know, I designed some stuff, designed some a couple of like I did. I did the main characters, and I did some side characters and some creatures, mm-hmm. which was really fun. But um, I have kind of like this. There's sort of like this curse about having a look that is distinct mm-hmm. that I don't necessarily associate with being the only thing I do. Right. When people say, oh, look, I'm doing this like, you know, Zim style or Jonin style. Yeah. I'll look at it and go like, I don't draw like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's horrible. But Zim kind of locked me into this thing where like with the Randy Cunningham characters, I they were probably a lot more rounded and, right. and smoother and just a little, you know, proportionally a little different than what people might be used to from Zim or I feel like they took the designs and quote corrected them to mm-hmm. make it look, oh no, you seem to have made a mistake. You didn't draw them like you. Yeah. You know? So I think I'd probably want to be a bigger part of like maintaining the look that I wanted mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. kind of handing it off and having people go, here's what I think it should look like. What was it like to work on that turtle short? That was kind of a great experience. I mean, for one, it was turtles, and I I never imagined I would have anything to do with it. I'm, I'm a fan, yeah. but I don't ever, you know, I didn't ever think I would be able to play with those characters in any kind of official capacity. Mm-hmm. So when the thing popped up, when they asked me, hey, do you want to do one of these shorts? Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I think I have the time. I think I can do it. Yeah. It was only mildly irresponsible because I was already, you know, <laughs> steeped in another thing. Uh-huh. But I wanted to do it. It sounded fun. It sounded like a great use of, you know, people that I knew and got to work with uh, Eric Bowser and the Workaholics guys, which just awesome. was weird. You know, <laughs> it just, it just, it was just, it was just fun. It was just fun, which is yeah. refreshing. I don't think anything was that smooth ever. That's awesome. I wanted it was the, it it turned out to be the thing I wanted to make from beginning to end. There wasn't really a lot of compromise. Yeah. Oh no, wait, there was a little bit of compromise. I wanted it to be a lot more action. <laughs> but um 
There's a pretty good amount of action in it. There was a pretty good amount. Well, no, I think it was like some kind of budget thing. Uh, gotcha. We were told the original idea had a lot more of the focus was a lot more on Donnie and Raphael fighting in their own particular ways. It wasn't as funny. Mm-hmm. It was just going to be kind of like this cool badass showcase for like you know I'm fighting you with you know all my tech. Yeah. And I'm just fighting you with my body, my highly trained body. <laughs> I was told that for budget and time it just you know that was going to be stretching it and it was just going to strain the budget too much Mm -hmm. so we ended up going with something funnier and something you know that didn't focus so much on the action Mm -hmm. and it turned out you know i I really like what we made but then i saw one of the other shorts and i'm like what the hell (laughs) it was all action it was like cg and there's like chases and they're flying down like there's like a bus and why did you tell me like where did their money come from (laughs) Like, I, I'm not mad at it. I'm just more like, I wanted to make it. I wanted to make that. Why are Raph and Donnie engaged in Mortal Kombat? Well, you were in the bathroom, but Raph said that Donnie wouldn't need to waste his time inventing stuff to help him fight if he just focused on training more. And... Donnie disagreed, then said something clever, and, well, you know how Raph gets. <laughs> and then I said, man... Leo's been in the bathroom a long time, and that was weird because, really, uh, like, how much can a turtle poop in? Why are they fighting? If I were to live out my dream, it would be the dream of doing the things that are in my own head and getting as many of them out as possible. I don't want to. Um, It'd be flattering if someone said, hey, we want you to work on the latest... I think of like on a much bigger scale. I think of people like Joss Whedon or Sam Raimi being asked to work on Spider-Man or you know the Avengers, mm-hmm. and I'm always like, hey, good for those guys. They're getting you know they're getting some good attention, but at the same time, it's mm-hmm. heartbreaking because it's like I don't want to see them work on this thing that it's just a machine. Mm-hmm. It's just gonna it's gonna be what it is regardless, and. It's great when you get like a bit of personality. That thing that we were talking about before, yeah. we were like when you see you're watching the Avengers or Age of Ultron, and you're like, "Oh, look, there's a little bit of Joss Whedon coming out yeah. there <laughs> in this three hours of just meaninglessness." You know, I'm just like, I don't care. I don't care about what's happening in this. Mm-hmm. So, if I were ever to work on something like uh, that wasn't my own idea, mm-hmm. you know, like making a remake of Little Shop of Horrors or something like that, not that I would want to, because I, I love Little Shop of Horrors, but you know, if someone said, hey, we're making Little Shop of Horrors and we want you to work on it, or if someone said, hey, we're making Ghostbusters again, mm-hmm. not that they would do that, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, do you want to work on it? I'd be like, yeah, but I don't want to, I don't want to listen to you though. Yeah. I don't want, I want to make it, but I don't want for it to have to hit these marks right. that, you know, are guaranteed to make the audience happy. It's like, I, I I'm just not interested in that. It's, that's just, death to me well what about working on something that is your own idea is there a different medium that you haven't attacked yet maybe video games live action stuff oh awesome live action um video games i'd love to do vr stuff now Mm -hmm. uh just just alternate means of storytelling and that's one of the newest it's just exciting to me actually caring about what you're doing you know i I never want to get to the point where i'm like I have to do this. Right. You know, I have to. But sometimes you do. There's nothing wrong with that. But I then have to find a place where it makes sense to me to work on it. Like, I'm working on this thing that wasn't my choice to begin with, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to make it something hopefully, you know, different. 
when I go into a pitch or when I or, or when things are moving along and it looks like, oh, they seem interested, I always have to remind people like, I'm not here to guarantee you a hit. Mm-hmm. That's the worst attitude to have. Making something because you want it to be a hit, that's the start of things going bad. I think some of the most interesting stories are the ones that no one asked for. Absolutely. Where you don't didn't expect for like I didn't I didn't yeah. think that this could be fascinating or you know, or what it is, but hopefully it's something that I didn't expect for someone to do that ends up being entertaining. So when I go in and I do these pitches and tell people I'm not, you know, I I don't this could be a hideous disaster. <laughs> but my goal is for if it's a disaster, I hope it's a memorable disaster yeah. versus a forgettable just thing. Yeah. Well, know? at least you gave him fair warning and I think that's all you can ask for, yeah. Jonan. I think people are always going to be asking for more just because they like your perspective and point of view and it was memorable and it was not nah as you said so thank you so much it was i think i said it was not it was memorable man so thank you so much for coming in and talking to us joan and vasquez so appreciate it man thank you thank you for having me on thank you I hope that you guys enjoyed walking around in Jonan's brain as much as I did. And if you haven't already, go online and check out his Ninja Turtle short titled Don vs. Raph. It's funny, it's action-packed, and it's everything you can want from Jonan and the Turtles. There's a link to it on nickanimationpodcast.com as well as some original art from Invader Zim. So go check it out. Thanks to the awesome crew who puts this podcast together. This podcast is produced by Jonathan Highlander, Dana Vasquez-Eberhardt, Kelly Smith, Andrew Hubner. Original music by Useful Creature all of the incredible social media for our podcast is made by Narbe Manassians, Greg Nix, and thanks to the man who works at controls and makes me sound better than I have a right to, Manny Grova. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast and keep watching cartoons. Cartoons.